All right, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Market Pulse podcast, where we capture the latest in finance and economic news that impacts your bottom line. And we're going to make the data fun. But before we get started, uh, let's go ahead and get our intro going, and then we'll jump right into the highlight news uh, for this week. So stay tuned. There's a lovely disclaimer for our attorneys. Feel free to like and subscribe on any of my socials, including YouTube and TikTok. You can also find me on LinkedIn and follow me there with my latest updates on news and my book that's coming out, which I'm really excited about, which we'll put a little plug in here uh, on that in a minute. But first, let's jump in. There has been some major news and shifts in the market, and I want to share with you what has been going on from my neck of the woods. So let's go ahead. I'm gonna bring this up. We'll jump into our snooze you lose segment and jump right into the latest uh, in terms of news that's happened over the last week. So excited to share with you what I've got here, guys. Breaking news. What you're about to see may disturb you. All right, so there's our snooze you lose segue. We are going to jump in with some really vital data that came in this last week. And just to kind of capture what we're going to talk about, we are going to talk about national debt as the consumer and how these numbers uh, are actually quite damaging and a little uh, concerning. We're also going to talk about the inflation, CPI inflation report that came out uh, higher than expected and took the market by surprise. And then we'll also go into the uh, child tax credit bill that is about to pass. Congress just passed and Senate. Uh, it's going to be sitting on the Senate floor for approval also, which will help benefit families across the country. But to start, let's begin with the debt. And this is total debt balance. This is an image that shares uh, the household debt total debt balance across the nation. And you can see non-housing debt versus housing debt as part of this. And we are currently in the last quarter of 2023 going into 2024 at an all-time record high, almost $18 trillion in household debt. Now, if you couple this with this chart, you'll see the breakdown, so total debt balance, as it's composed, like its composition uh, broken down between like the average citizens. So where is this debt actually coming from? And you can see a large amount of debt, which would make a lot of sense here in orange is mortgages. And then you have HE revolving. You've got auto loans in gray, credit card debt in blue, student loans in red, which has become a massive uh, segment over the last four years. And then other, which would be like uh, credit lines, maybe some... Uh, non-secured debt that they may have through something else or debt for certain types of items or products, RVs, uh, and et cetera. And so you can see, looking at this data, that student loan debt has more than quadrupled since 05, 06, 07 even, into pretty much 2008. And so we've seen massive student debt increases. Also, credit card debt is in an 
uh, massive increase, but not comparative to student debt. And then this alternative debt that's on the top is kind of a unique one where we're seeing large amounts of alternative debt. So what what is happening here? Why why is this happening? Well, I think there's a lot of explanations, but as COVID hit, stimulus went out and uh, we saw massive inflation across the board because of this cash dump that went into our economy. We are seeing individuals not changing their spending habits. And so they are pushing off to remaining balances of debt to basically keep their standard of living. And a lot of this has to do with uh, just the cost of living, the cost to eat, the cost to keep a roof over your head and, and maintain maybe your property or your home. Uh, another staggering kind of glaring in the face debt that we cannot ignore is when we break out credit card debt, if we take out the last from 2010 to 2003 from the previous chart, you can see how much debt has skyrocketed into Q4 of 2023. Now we saw a lot of it happen during COVID. And then when the stimulus checks came out, debt started to drop to an all-time low and then just started skyrocketing again, as you can see, following 2020 into 2021. And so over the last one, two years, we have been in a radical incline on credit card debt. And so what does this mean for the average consumer? Well, it means that they have less revolving debt or less debt available on credit cards, excuse me. And we're seeing with the new change in interest rates, a higher cost for that debt on debt that already existed. And so this is a pretty alarming chart to say the market's coming back, the economy's coming back strong, where the consumer debt is still at an all-time high and there will be consequences uh, for for this. I, there's just no way to avoid that. Now, let's bring this up really quick. Here are some other charts that I just, I don't think we can ignore. Let me bring up, let's see, that was one, two, and six. I'm gonna bring up, I wanna share with you guys this chart, which breaks out the debt into segments. And you can kind of get a sense of like what's going on from a more incremental uh, standpoint. And I'm gonna share with you first the impact on the credit card debt in this chart. This is quite a revealing chart. And what this is, is credit card APR. So this is the annual percentage rate remaining on 30, or remaining at a 30 year high, all time high, higher than uh, when I was born back in uh, 83. So, or excuse me, um, yeah, it, it goes back about into the the 80s, the late 80s, I should say. So rates have topped 20%, the highest since 1985, so just after I was born. And we are seeing that if you combined, like just imagine, and some of you are feeling this right now, you have $10,000 in credit card debt from two years ago. Well, you've not only increased that $10,000 or probably $15,000 in debt, the cost of the debt on your credit card is at an all-time high over 20% interest rate. So are the credit card companies feeling this? No, absolutely not. They are making their money. But is the risk substantially higher? Yes. Is this a consequence of rates going up? Absolutely. But the jump from 16 to 21%, guys, that's like a 5% increase in less than a year and a half. And so 
what does this mean to the average consumer and the average American? Well, it's going to catch up. And so defaults would be what I would be looking for. And we're actually going to look at some of the default charts uh, that are also existing with this. And let me share that with you guys. This is quite revealing. So here is household debt and credit uh, developments as of Q4 2023. And this will show the positives and the negatives. Mortgage debts rose, and this is in form of change. All of these have gone up, by the way. Uh, quarterly change, $112 billion increase. Annual change, $329 billion increase. The home equity lines went up $11 billion. Annual went up $24 billion. Student debt went up $2 billion over the last quarter, $6 billion over the last year. Auto debt went up $12 billion in the last quarter, $55 billion in the last year. Credit card debt went up $50 billion over the last quarter, $143 billion over the last year. And then other debts went up $25 quarterly and $47 billion respectfully. So total debt increase on all these is over 60 or 604 billion year over year which brings the total over 17 trillion dollars now if you were to look at delinquencies this is where i start to get concerned this is one of the indicators i look at because if you have more debt but we're able to service it and people maybe are making more money or like leveraging it for future uh growth or deployment uh in terms of like GDP, like actually increasing productivity, then it's okay. But we're not actually seeing that with the individual. What we're seeing is one line item, home equity lines of credit uh, actually dropped. So Q4 2022 went from 0.51 to 0.45. And that's likely a reaction to rates going up. So people are going, ah, it's going to cost me more for this debt. So less people are doing it. Student loan debt also went down the delinquencies in this debt, by the way. And I think a lot of that has to do with stu uh, student loan repayment laws that came out where basically the government said, you guys got to start paying this off again and people are taking it more serious. So those went down, but auto loan delinquencies went up. Credit card debt delinquencies went up over 2%. Other went up almost 2%. And mortgage debt defaults also have gone up. So we're seeing defaults in four of these major categories, home equity lines of credit, student loans being exempt. But what do defaults tell us? It tells us that people can't handle the stress. And if we keep in this curve, if this debt curve doesn't change, we are going to see a lot more delinquencies, which can lead to kind of a fallout specifically when it comes to the economy, uh, especially in uh, certain sectors. So that wraps up the debt segment. Where I want to go next is around inflation. And there's a video that I want to show you that came in from NBC News. It's a short three and a half minute clip that really grabs the CPI report, what actually happened, and why the market reacted negatively to this news when it came out because we thought inflation was tamed. We thought we had inflation under control. And what we're seeing is that even the experts had it wrong and the news uh, just went gangbusters on this over the last 48 hours. So here is that video.
We are back with some breaking economic data. Inflation came in up 0.3% for the month of January, 3.1% year over year. Here to walk us through these numbers and, of course, let you know what they mean for you. We've got NBC Business and Data correspondent Brian Chung and NBC's senior business correspondent Christine Romans. Good morning to both of you. So, Brian, first of all, walk us through the inflation numbers and how they compare with the previous month and just what we've seen over the past year. Yeah, well, 3.1%, but what does that mean in context to numbers that we've seen in the past? So that 3.1% figure, by the way, that's a yearly figure. So the change in prices overall between January of this year and January of last year. And that is a little bit of a slowdown from the 3.1, uh, rather 3.4% pace we had seen in the December to December period. But you have to remember, economists have predictions on what they could see this number being. They expected this number to be 2.9%. So from that perspective, prices didn't slow down as much as economists had thought. One reason is perhaps shelter inflation, the cost of just putting a roof over your head on a monthly basis, that increased by 0.4%. Uh, we did also see food prices increase by uh, point, uh, two, or rather 0.4% during the month. And then we also saw energy prices decline. So that did help a little bit because of the price of gasoline going down by about uh, three cents per gallon. So that decreasing by almost one percentage point between the month. But again, overall, this report a little bit hotter than economists had expected. Christine, what stands out to you here and what's it say about our economy? You know, it's a little frustrating because because you want these inflation numbers to come down. The Fed would like to see 2%. We're still at 3.1%. Yeah. So this is cooling inflation. That's good, but it's still hotter than I think the Fed policymakers. And frankly, all of us who go shopping would like to see. Uh, one way to look at this also is that uh, you know prices are cooling, inflation is cooling, but prices remain still elevated. When you go back four years, you got you know prices, mm -hmm. consumer prices are up like 20% from where they were four years ago. So I think when people wow. go and, and buy stuff, you know that you're still paying more. So we tell you inflation is cooling. This is certainly cooling from the December level, but at the same time, you know, it's still been four years of, of higher prices, and that's frustrating. I would say frustrating, <laughs> yeah. and we have more months. It's going to be a bumpy ride to get inflation back down to 2%. Hmm. So, Brian, uh, you already gave us a little bit of a category breakdown there. I mean, what are just the things that are really still driving what we're seeing? Are there areas where we're seeing just, you know, much lower inflation? Yeah, well, I mean, let me translate some of these percentage changes just into the prices that you see at the store, and this underscores some of the frustration that Christine was just talking about that Americans are still feeling, right? Okay, yeah, we're talking about rates of change, but the number that I see on those price tags are going up. Let's take a look at eggs. This is comparing to January of last year, $2.51. It's about the same right now, $2.52. So not quite as bad as the egg apocalypse that we saw. Remember when eggs were like $5 a dozen? Uh, gasoline prices did decline a little bit, as I mentioned. So $3.35 uh, for all types averaged out. Uh, we did see milk prices decline a little bit. It used to be over $4 now, just a smidge under that at $3.96. And then bread. Uh, that has been increasing over time, $2.02, uh, now about $2.03. So, you know, when you look at the overall picture, actually the prices aren't all that different than they were a year ago. But again, mm. they're not declining substantially. And I think that maybe explains some of the psyche uh, as Americans are looking at these numbers and going, you know what? It's not cheaper than it was. And if my wages aren't keeping up, that's going to be a problem for my uh, overall household finances. Christina, moment. Kind of a pandering uh, to things aren't as bad as they seem, but... How do you have a 0.2% increase over what analysts and economists were predicting and then basically show that the cost of food uh, and gas is the same? Well, it's not. And as you know, shelter prices have been going through the roof. Those of you who have been renting, those of you 
who have to provide a, a roof over your head and um, aren't relying on someone else for that right now know that there are other costs that are clearly not factored in, that have nothing to do with eggs, milk, gas, and so on. And so I think the news is pandering a little bit to try to make this less of a big deal than it is. But let me tell you the impact of what an inflation report like this will have. The Federal Reserve is looking at this number and seeing a tick up in inflation strongly uh, is going to influence when we start to drop rates. It is counter to a rate drop. So when you have these members of the Federal Reserve get together and vote on whether they should drop rates or not, one of the large considerations in dropping rates has to do with inflation. And we thought inflation was ticking down. We thought it was going to continue to tick down. And we've already, because of some other data, had nothing to do with this, kicked it from March to possibly April, May for a rate drop. Now this data's come in and we might be into mid-June, July before we do a rate drop now because inflation is slowly starting to tick up, which is a problem not just to your wallet, but for the overall economy. And so I am watching this very close because this data is going to largely impact the markets. And if we start to hear signs from the Federal Reserve that they are not going to be dropping rates, the market better buckle up. Uh, there will be some reaction and consumer set sentiment about the markets that I think will be largely negative. Uh, and that means money pulling out of the markets, people putting money under their mattresses, uh, which will affect market cap and drive prices down in the overall market. As the market stands today, S&P 500 is priced to perfection. It is highly overvalued. You guys know based on the Warren Buffett indicator what that looks like. Uh, the market in general is highly overvalued compared to GDP, and we're expecting lower GDP numbers than we thought we would have going into the end of 2023. So this is going to be a bumpy year. Um, does it mean that we'll have lots of volatility? I don't actually think so. The reports were really tight. It wasn't. It was surprising, but not that surprising. There's just some raise for concern that we have not fully landed this plane. Inflation isn't completely tamed and there's still some work to do. So that would be my sentiment uh, based off of the data that has come in this week. All right. So what else do we have uh, news wise? Let's bring this up. I, I'm going to share this really quick. This is a fun thing that I created. So I've been using um, AI and ChatGPT has a new video AI plugin that will actually create videos for you with their subscription. And so I thought, you know, what the heck? It's offering it. Why don't we play uh, this video as a segue to my next news segment and just kind of show you how fast a literal 60-second input on ChatGPT gave and produced me this video. Obviously, there's stock images in the back. I haven't paid for those credits, so it's going to show that. But uh, this is pretty fascinating, one, to segue into this newsreel, and two, to see the power of AI working in real time and how quick we can engage with this type of uh, technology. So here's that video, and then we'll jump right in. Imagine an $8,000 boost, a lifeline, a beacon of hope. The child tax credit bill, empowering millions of parents with an additional $8,000 tax credit, offering relief, support, and a brighter future. A game changer in every sense. See the change, feel the impact. So that was a pretty simple video. I didn't give it a lot of input on like what to create other than the bullet points that I was pulling uh, from the data around the news that was coming out around this child 
healthcare tax credit incentive. But NVIDIA is, I mean, this, I don't get anything out of this. I have no investment in these guys. But what a great add-on for ChatGPT to really be leading the game, to have a video creation AI tool aside from their images. Now, the first thing I did is I actually created an image to represent this, and I'll share this with you and start talking to you about what is this tax credit and what should we expect and what my predictions are. But here's a video that I also had Dolly make on ChatGPT illustrating the additional child tax credit that is up for grabs coming into 2024. And having said that, I wanna share with you really quickly uh, what this looks like and what you guys can expect going into 2024 uh, with this tax bill that will likely get passed. So here's some of the bullet points. The bill aims to provide additional money to about 16 million parents in this country. Now the bill currently has passed the House of Representatives about a week and a half ago. And it has now advanced to the Senate, which you have to have a two-thirds majority vote. And it's currently stalled there, but not because we don't like the bill, because there's some other stuff going on. Right now, the Senate has prioritized some other bills, like uh, this foreign aid package that's going to send $95 billion to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan to address some U.S. Uh, government funding problems that may uh, create some additional conflict. So we're sending a bunch of money out that way. This bill also addresses the U.S. government uh, overspending bill, where basically we're going to have another government shutdown in March because we don't have the money and we kind of put a Band-Aid on a broken window last year around raising our debt limits. Now, the Senate uh, also, it's important to know, is going to take a two-week vacation here really soon and we're hoping that the priority will be to get it passed before then. The bill is expected to pass the Senate. It's a bipartisan bill with uh, a lot of support from both sides of the aisle. And the child credit bill will cost America taxpayers about $78 billion, split roughly 50-50 between both parents and who are co-parenting and equating to about a $39 billion for each group. So to the uh, either side of the partner. Now, there's no provision for the Bill Americans on what the qualifying is or if there's anything for seniors around this. But the if this passes, this would potentially create an additional $8,000 credit per child, uh, which is enormous and a massive incentive to continue to have children in America, which... Uh, frankly speaking, if you're to look at the data and look at the charts, we are falling uh, way behind. So that is the update on the child care uh, tax credit bill that is likely to pass the Senate here in probably the next couple of weeks. And this leads me to our next segment where we are going to uh, talk a little bit about psyche and the psychology of your brain. So... And the brain farts are the things that we do in our head that frankly get in the way of our success, specifically when it comes to trading. And I want to share with you one of my greatest discoveries as I've been studying psychology and also taking a deep dive into my 
psyche when it comes to trading and having success in trading. And what I call this segment is our integrity intervention seg uh, segment. And I'm going to share with you probably one of the strongest pieces of tech that is coming out in my book, Find Your Hidden Strengths, in April. Uh, we'll have a pre-release, and I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on like how you can get access to this book. Um, but I go through numerous distinctions, numerous technologies that has helped my psyche align with wealth and create an abundant life for myself. And one of the greatest conversational pieces that has changed my life is this word called integrity. Now, to set you up around this, integrity needs to be defined because for most people, integrity has some type of moral meaning. It has like this meaning around like our moral uprightness. And for this conversation, we're just not going to talk about that. This is not what integrity means for this conversation. Can it mean that in other conversations? Absolutely. But for this context, it does not work. Integrity is defined as the state of being whole and complete. And the best way I've been able to describe this is like a bridge. If a bridge lacks integrity, does it have any moral code or obligation? No, it doesn't even think about that. It doesn't think about the truck that's going to drive over it. It doesn't think about the consequence of it. It's just a bridge. And when you operate with integrity like that, you can actually handle and increase the amount of integrity you have, which frankly, in integrity and abundance, like they're two things that work together. They're the things that are going to have your life work more. It's going to have you attract more of the things that you want and frankly, get it in a lot shorter period of time. Now, if a bridge, and you guys see these all the time is under construction, maybe it's an old bridge and one of the pillars is breaking out or the, the, the floor is giving out. If a bridge lacks integrity, you might question yourself of whether you would take your truck with your load across the bridge to the other side. Why? Because the risk of it breaking and you losing everything that you have on your truck. Uh, you also might consider losing, it might cost you your life. It may cost you harm or damage. It may slow things down. And so the integrity of the bridge is imperative for the job it's intended to do. And that's to allow people, persons, vehicles, so forth to cross safely. Now, when a bridge is broken, all that's wanted is for it to get fixed. If a leg falls out, it's like it needs new support. If the floor falls out, it just needs to get patched up. And the problem is, is unlike a bridge, when we make a promise or we make an agreement or a goal, and it specifically has to do with money in this case, and we don't keep the agreement, we don't treat it like a bridge for some reason. We treat it like this moral thing, and then we beat ourselves emo emotionally. We go see therapists around it. And then next year, we look at our tax return, and it looks exactly the same or within some bracket of the previous year. And we start scratching our heads going, why does Joe Blow over there make twice as much as me, and I'm still stuck in this like support and resistance around my personal finance? Well, this is why and i'm going to give you access to this in a very short window there's a lot more i have chapters on this in my book to how to unpackage this but i'm going to give you a distinction on how you can live your life and how to apply these steps so that you can actually have integrity around the thing that you want and when you break 
or lack or lose integrity around something, you can restore it as quickly as possible because frankly, guys, no one knows how to do this. I would say 90 plus percent of the people that I coach have no integrity structure on how to clean it up. And let me share why. When you were young, integrity was not taught because our parents, frankly, were lazy. It was the easier way to do things to just when your brother uh, hits you or you broke a window or you did something wrong, what did your parents typically tell you to do? They would say something like, go apologize. And then once there was an apology and if they felt like it was sincere enough, they would say, okay, you're good. He's suffered enough that he'll remember not to do it the next time. No, I guarantee he's going to do it again. I guarantee without the components in this setup, if any of these are missing, they will do it again. And this is why, guys, your relationships don't work. This is why you're stuck financially. This is why spiritually you're struggling and suffering. This is why your health uh, isn't elevating to new levels and you're not having the fit bod that you want or gain the weight or lose the weight that you want or quit the smoking or whatever it is. It's because you treat things like a five-year-old and we know no better. And then we teach our kids through the same mechanism. And so my first rule is to drop sorry. The first rule when you're having an integrity intervention, something you promised you would do or some goal you didn't meet or something that you said was going to happen, an agreement you made doesn't, drop sorry. Stop saying it. There is no good reason on this planet to apologize. I have never seen it being effective and it's actually a cop-out because it actually creates another agreement. Like if someone comes in late, let me give you this example. Someone walks in late to my office and they're like, oh, sorry, man. I'm, you know, the traffic was crazy, blah, blah. And if I do this thing and I go, okay, like that's fine. I get it. Yeah. Traffic is tough. And I accept the apology and nothing else on this list. I've actually created a new agreement. One, that that's okay to do. And then two, I've also created a mutual agreement that you're going to give me a hall pass for also not having integrity. And so what goes on in the world? We're just like creating all of these empty promises with people. And we're actually adding a level of power, you could say, around people having less integrity in their life. I don't let people do that. They show up late. We end up doing this with them because I want it to change. I don't want the behavior to happen again. And frankly, when it comes to time, I value my time uh, on a, a very high level. So we drop sorry. And then we see the broken agreement. If it's someone else who's broken agreement with you, you help them acknowledge, well, what was our agreement? What did you say you were going to do? And then what didn't happen? And you don't need to yell or scream and definitely don't make them feel bad. Do everything in your power, actually, to not have them enter a place of shame and guilt. Because if they go into the place of shame and guilt, they will have no power to restore integrity to their broken agreement. All right, so then they go in, they're like, you know what, Matt? I was late. I see that I said I was going to be here at 3 o'clock. It's 3.15. Got it. And then it's like, okay, what was the impact? And the impact you have to see as the leverage to actually make the difference in the next two steps. And this is hard. No one likes to see the impact because sometimes it's painful, but it's the cost. It's the payoff you took was being lazy. The payoff you took was not getting up early to be on time, whatever. But the cost is like, 
when you do this all the time, what does life look like? What do people see about you? What is your reputation around being on time? And so all of that has to do with impact. It also, it, like when he came in late, that's 15 minutes less that we'll have together to get whatever we needed done. It may push my next meeting back. Uh, I may have to shift things in my uh, schedule. We may have to reschedule altogether. This is impact. And once you see it, you start to really value oh my gosh, if I could get rid of this long-term cost, I'm going to change this. Or you might discover you won't and you don't want to. And that's step four, recommit or don't. When you get the impact, you might actually go, I'm not agreeing to do that anymore. I'm not that person for you. Or I'm. you can count on me being late next time. And you know what? There are people in my life that I haven't done this with, but they just show up late all the time. So I, I actually tell them to be there 15 minutes early right? Because I'm taking accountability and having integrity around working with who they are in reality. Once you've gone to a place where it's like, you know what? I can see the cost and benefit around this. I'm going to do this again. I want my financial situation to change. I want to hit my goals that I set last year and did not accomplish, whatever it is. This is the most crucial part. And I spend chapters in my book on packaging this, levels of power on how to create a new agreement, how to create a new structure that's really powerful. But this is this is the gem. If you don't create something new to do around that structure, around restoring, patching that bridge, putting up the new pole, if you don't create something new, you will repeat the cycle again until the lesson is learned. Let me share more about that. Someone walks in late. I'm coaching them on how to clean this up. They tell me, you know, I can see the impact. I can see like this cost you a bunch of time, me a bunch of time. They go through the whole thing. And I'm like, well, next time you set up a time, do you want to be on time or not? And they say, yes. It's like, great. Well, what are you going to do different? And they'll say, well, I'm going to try harder. Nope, that's not it. Well, I'm going to, I'll make sure that it's on my calendar. Then I'll ask, was it on your calendar this time? And if they say yes, it's like, well, that's not it. And they're like, well, okay, you know, I know that there's these alerts that I can put on my calendar that give me a text reminder. I've never done that before, but I'll try that. Great. That's something new. And that might be the thing specifically tailored to you that would work where someone else might need to wear a bracelet. That's like, it reminds them to be on time. Someone might need to create a simple reminder. Someone might need to hire a coach, whatever it is. There's all different kinds of levels of power around this, by the way, whatever it is, it just needs to be something new. And this is so crucial when you're creating a new structure to restore integrity, you need to hold it with a, a very loose grip because it's new. It may take you 10 tries to master this thing to create the new habit, the thing that to discover the thing that will work for you. But maybe the alarms or alerts on your calendar isn't it for you. Maybe it is a ring or like a bracelet that reminds you. Maybe it's a stopwatch. Maybe it's, you know, whatever. It just doesn't matter. But you've got to keep trying and you have to be willing and open to the possibility that that new structure won't work. Like it's a test. It's not the answer. And if you can create new structures around things in your life that are not working, like Albert Einstein, it's like he didn't discover the light bulb. He just discovered 10,000 ways the light bulb wouldn't work first. If you can be that committed to having integrity around whatever your goals are, you will get the answer as long as you hold the new structure lightly 
And then if the possibility doesn't create that, then it's something different that you get to do. And if you can live like that and keep going through this, every time that you fail, every time that you miss the mark, you will eventually find the thing for you and it will occur light. It will occur easy. And this works, guys, for trading. This works for changing your financial situation. You just have to create a new structure. And it could be all kinds of things from changing your environment, changing your friends, changing who you get advice from, what type of tools and technologies you use, what types of influence and things you allow to uh, change the possible outcome. All of There's infinite possibility, infinite possibilities. And you just have to find one to try the next time, hold on to it loose. If it doesn't work, put it down, try something again. All right, so really excited about my book launch, by the way. April is when it's coming out. You're going to hear a lot about that as we uh, continue to get closer to that date. And uh, I'm giving away my best gems, the things that have brought me the most success. And it really has to do with your weakness, I've found. And the whole book is about that. It has to do with the parts, the muscles that we don't exercise that actually give us the biggest lift. Uh... <sighs> We've... All right, here we go. So here's the effed up section, and it is pretty hilarious. Uh, Blackstone, over the holidays, put out a commercial that I just think was a huge mistake. They're trying so hard to not get canceled. They're trying so hard to not be seen as the corporate greedy uh, large problem that, frankly, the young generation is targeting right now and canceling on large scales. And I don't know. I'm going to let you guys watch it, and then I'll give you my feedback. So let's let's watch this Blackstone ad. It is hilarious. Uh, and these are actual employees and people that work there that put this whole thing together. So uh, laughable, at least, comical at most, and I would say a great thing to share with your friends uh, to have a laugh over dinner tonight. So here it is. Lore, genius, emergency meeting right now. This all started when John went to see Taylor Swift's Eras tour. Yeah, he claims he only went to take his daughters, but I heard he packed multiple outfit changes. Now he's touring her around the world. I had to give him my ticket. Ever since he went to that concert, he's acting like he discovered Taylor Swift. Has anyone here heard of Taylor Swift? Yes. 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 No. I mean, yes. We've been going about everything wrong. We need to go on tour like Taylor, and we will raise a billion dollars. John, we managed to raise a trillion dollars professionally explaining our disciplined and thematic approach to investing. Can't we just stick with that? Fireworks. Glow sticks, those little helmets with the ice cream. This is gonna replace fundraising? I have it all. And then an epic performance starring us. His idiocy knows no bounds. Seriously. We're on mute, right? For sure. Nope. This is obviously a great idea, John, but... Maybe we run it by Steve? Yes, good idea. There's no way Steve would let something this ridiculous happen at Blackstone. Go on tour? Like Taylor Swift? But a Blackstone version? 
I love it. You're still here? Good. This is the best part. Yeah, guys, if I ever do something like this or sell out like this, uh, there's probably something going on uh, that is not being said. There's clearly something going on in Blackstone. There's clearly a connection to Black Rock that they're extremely trying to avoid right now. Uh, and they're making themselves very distinguishable, even though Blackstone and BlackRock often uh, get mistaken for each other. So Blackstone is clearly not wanting to get under the BlackRock plague, uh, which is being criticized heavily right now in terms of asset management. There are uh, people being on boards in all kinds of stocks, their influence that they have uh, globally, in fact, on as certain asset classes to manipulate certain markets and Blackstone is saying, we want to make sure the public knows that we have nothing to do with them and are nothing like them. And we're so fun. And we're using this office-themed uh, video to try to persuade you that we're just the normal investment firm that just happens to have a trillion dollars under management. Okay? So I don't know if this is going to work. It'd be interesting to see if assets under management go up. Timing, I think, is really great though i think their timing on this they nailed and here's why we know that there's over an x in excess three trillion dollars sitting on the sidelines right now that when rates do start to drop people are going to move back into uh managed assets like with companies like blackstone and so i think they have positioned themselves pretty well to i mean I, we're talking about it here we are having a conversation about the video as ridiculous as it may be it's going to be a name that people might consider when they're moving uh, those assets out of the sidelines and back into the market. So we'll see. I'll keep you updated. I wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500? Because they're sheep. 
and sheep get slaughtered. But like I was saying, this is our opportunity to use our skills, our news, the events that we're aware of to actually uh, trade and make some money in the market. So let's go through and see what we can pull out of today's market analysis. I'm going to share my screen right here. We're going to go into Green Chart, our charting software that we use, fully web-based, by the way. And we'll get a good analysis of what happened last week, how we did, our prediction, and going into the next week. Now, uh, right now, I'm looking at gold first. This is a one-day chart. You can see the line when I did this last, our prediction into the channel. And frankly, it literally turned within the next one, two days. So after this two-day, what we were afraid of happening and we, we predicted as kind of the third option is actually what did happen. It did happen on the timing that I thought it would. I was giving this a pretty low ranking based on gold's sentiment. But what happened with news this last three days is what tipped this over and caused this movement in gold to drop in price. And so that's why you got to follow this day to day. But generally speaking, the technicals do uh, tend to give us a strong indicator of what's going to happen going into the future. So we talked about last week about a breakout from the channel into the short side. We did not see a possibility of a breaking to the upside. We also did not talk about the possibility of a breaking the 2076 price. I just didn't see that. But we were thinking it would stay in the channel. We thought there's a possibility it would break. And if it did, we would see it break down. And then we knew 2015 would be a hold price. If it broke down past that, it would come down to the 2000 level. And it seems to be hovering at support right at 2000 as we speak. It's at $2,004 right now. So let's clean this up. Let's give us a nice vision into Friday and next week. And we'll see if we can't make some heads or tails of what's going on in the market here. So long term, I'm not seeing a strong channel here or here. Top side, we might have a new short channel from the top of this to here. Yep. So let's get rid of this old channel here from last week. We're in a longer term channel, which I like. Longer the channel, longer the support and resistance, the more likely it's going to hold. These little short channels that we're doing, the likelihood of a breakout is higher, which is, increases the risk of being inaccurate in your prediction. Having two to three weeks of data, which we seem to have here, going clear back to last, uh, even into the end part of last year, so over a month and two weeks of data, you can see we're in a short trend now, and it's likely going to want to stay in this, but there's a lot more upside movement potential going forward. So let me draw where the strengths are. We have a lot of strength in this area right here. We have little, a little less strength towards the short side, but the probability of it continuing to move down in the channel as days go on is higher. And so I, I'm going to mark this channel this bubble above the 2000 price line is more probable. This one down here is less probable. And so with today's trade at the current price, even though we're in a long-term short trend with a shallow slope, right now what I would see purely technicals, no fundamentals. You're obviously going to have to follow the fundamentals or the news every day on this. But right now from a technical analysis standpoint, Friday looks like it's going to be more bullish. 
and it's probably going to want to stay between the 2000 and 2015 level. In fact, I'm going to draw that so that you can see that a little bit better. I think it's more likely to live here. And then if there's a breakout past 215, it's going to want to play back up in the top side of this channel. So what does that set us up for? It really sets us up pretty strong for a buy with a, uh, a really tight stop at the two just below the 2000 level. Take profits up into like the 2015s. If you want to go strong, once it's reached that, you could put in a sell stop order uh, to ba basically protect your profits. So you can move in a trailing stop or you could just put in a stop order so that you don't lose any profits once it climbs there and then you could ride it again up into this midsection. But I'm definitely more bullish than bearish. Do I foresee a breakout in this channel? I do not in the next week. I would imagine the width of this channel and the slope of it and where our support and resistance levels are currently still sitting. It's likely going to stay inside of this. It's likely not going to break down below the 1970 level next week. All right, so I like that. Let's go into, let me save this really quick. Let's go into our S&P 500, which we nailed. S&P 500 was on a vertical, or I should say a upward slope and trend. We drew out this trend line. You can see the line that we did this last week. So you can see that last week we were here. We were going into the current week and we said it's very likely based on support and resistance the 4800 level and 5000 level it's going to want to stay in this range it's going to want to stay in the channel likely to the upside as we're in this trend already so we meet the rules of trading the trend we predicted an up market on this we're also staying within our support and resistance levels and what happened the market went up up tested 5000 then it broke as we indicated there was a small likelihood of a break it did break, and then it dropped back down into our past support and resistance levels. Now, this, for me, says that we still have some soft support. I'm going to change the thickness of this color because it seems like the support here is not, this support resistance level at 5,000 is not as strong as we thought it would be, but it's still holding some ground. We're still seeing it hitting, bouncing off, hitting, bouncing off, starting there, taking off and then climbing up and bouncing off starting today at that price and bouncing off. So there's definitely some uh, technical weight, I would say, on the 5,000 level. So we're not going to get rid of it. However, as this extends into the future, we are going to want to keep an eye on this channel going up. And even with the bad news that we had about CPI, this big drop, it still stayed relatively in the channel on this. So let's blow this out. We're going to make this big so we can see where it's going. This is the channel that we're going to have going into next week. This is going to be Friday's candle as it's starting right now today. And then we'll have one, two, three, four, five candles going into next week, which should take us into here. So my prediction is it's very likely that the price is going to want to settle in the 5,000 range and above. And as long as we don't have any crazy fundamental news, it's likely going to do that. So I'm going to put this in as a three on strength. I think there is a probability. There's always a probability of it doing something else. I think there's a probability of it living down here and not doing very much uh, activity down here. But it's going to be a lot less. And so for that reason, I'm going to give this a one. And so sitting where we're at today, going into Friday's candle that's developing right now, 
I'd say buy is definitely the technical strength. We're in the trend of a buy. Uh, you've got strong support at 5,000. Obviously, you'd want to put your stop losses below that. And you could target, you know, which day or how long you want to hold this somewhere in the center of this channel in terms of price. So potentially by end of next week, we could be up to 5,100 or hit 5,100 next week based on what I'm seeing. That would be the top though. So you probably wouldn't want to put your take profit all the way at 5,100. You probably want to meet somewhere in between the price currently and, and that price. Now, if we have a breakout, breakouts are going to happen hard and fast. And you need to keep this in mind. If it breaks down below the 5,000 level, it will likely break and it will break hard and fast. And so I'm actually going to represent that by more of a narrow look that could happen here because it could come all the way down and test the 4876 level. Not probable, but if it breaks the channel, it's more likely to go down harder, faster. If it stays within this channel or it kind of just wicks out, meaning that it just throws a shadow candle over the edge a little bit and then comes back in, uh, it will probably still stay in this trend over the long term. But if it breaks out and closes, Below, it's very likely it's going to stay between the 4876 level and 5000 level. All right, so that wraps it up. That is our sheep get slaughtered section where you can take a real technical analysis, apply it on your own charts, do it for yourself, make your own trades, and hopefully make some money in the market to change your financial situation. So keep an eye on this. Obviously, follow the news. You know, this was all my own personal uh, opinion, not financial advice. But uh, that wraps up our segment for this episode. Thanks uh, so much for being on, guys, today. And again, make sure to take a chance, uh, like, subscribe, smash those buttons for me. It helps get my videos up to the top. And more importantly, it allows me to continue to give you guys this data, which hopefully you're getting the benefit out of. And I'd love any feedback or criticism uh, if there's anything you'd like to see done different. All right, guys, you guys have a great week, and we'll see you same time, same place next week. Thank you. Thank you.